0: Welcome to The Roots Podcast, brought to you from the Training and Equipping Ministry of Chanctonbury, exploring revival, church, leadership and culture. Discover more about our community at chanctonbury.org.uk Coming
1: through. Happy New Year, everybody. Great to see you all, and welcome, welcome, welcome. Uh, Thank you so much, Paddy. I sat down because I'm an obedient follower. He said, take a seat, so I sat down, I was waiting to be invited, so then you invited me and here I am, and it's a real joy uh, to be here um, with you this morning, great to see you all, um, and a joy to be going at it. Isn't it good to be back? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I don't tell anybody this, but I'm always, I always hit the start of December and I'm like, let's get Christmas out of the way, so we can crack on with the work of building the kingdom. <laughs> Because he been born, he was born two thousand years ago, wasn't he? <laughs> so anyway, um, why are we doing Chantrybury Training Centre? <laughs> why are we doing Chantrybury Training Centre? Because we just have a dream of hundreds and hundreds of thousands of lay, unordained, professional, and non-professional Christians full of the kingdom walking in unity together when they gather around Jesus at weekends, and then Monday to Saturday, building the kingdom, releasing the presence of God, serving Him, being His witnesses, wherever He leads us in our daily lives. And we've got this dream of it not just being a few meetings where God is, it not just being for a few people who are on fire for Jesus, but what would it look like if there were just hundreds of thousands of us not being different to other churches, actually becoming who we were always meant to be, normal Christians, on fire for Jesus, releasing the kingdom, and just seeing the world changed everywhere we go. Christianity is really very simple. We just seem to have made a a bit of a complicated job of it. And so really our goal with the training centre is to give some dedicated time to removing the junk from our heads the junk from our hearts and allowing God to transform us into who we already are in Him. To see us walking into the fullness of Christ, every single one of us. And the great news is, God doesn't love John or Janice or Iris any more than the rest of you. He's got everything that He established through Jesus for each and every one of us. And we may access it and live it out slightly differently. But that's the beauty of the body of Christ. But this is an all play. So that's why we're doing the training centre. And I don't want you to be passive with what we're learning. I want you to put it into practice in your daily lives and in church. Because we need hundreds and hundreds of leaders at the centre of church life. Creating environments for others to grow into. They're being deployed in what God is calling them to, and we need hundreds of thousands of us living this out. Whether we're postmen or accountants or stay-at-home parents or retired in the, I just think if you're retired, you've got all the time in the world <laughs> to build the kingdom. I mean, you know, really, we should be releasing our retired people into revival, shouldn't we? Because yeah. suddenly you're released from the, the constraints and formalities of, you know, doing what you know, the employer tells you to. And, uh, so um, so that, that's our heart for the training centre. And you, you will have probably got by now that each and every module we do is like opening a language book to a foreign language that we touch on for a few moments, but really it requires all of us to go deeper and deeper in our own time. So let's take the Father heart of God. I mean, bang, we did that in October, didn't we? Tip. all sorted, hearts healed, no intimidation of people who are better than us or more skilled than us. Everyone walking that out? Never feeling disconnected from the intimate connection with the Father. Who's there? It's all good. Never, never people pleasing. That's what his love releases always running towards conflict because now we carry the peace which is established by his love so we're not walking in fear running towards conflict to be reconcilers living out what Jesus done we right? now hey listen we're we're opening the door to these, these aspects of who God is but it requires us to get to grips with it to put it into practice and let's be just a little army together saying come on Are you you still receiving the Father's pleasure in your life? Are you still loving people who are unlovely? And and putting this into practice. And there's nothing more pertinent about this than the whole area of the Holy Spirit. The church, uh, many times, and I love the church, I don't say this to knock it in any way, but It's relatively recent in church history that we seem to have refound the Holy Spirit. (laughs) You know, really, probably in this country since maybe the kind of 1960s with the renewal of the church that began to touch, um, well, all the the denominations and streams. But you stand back and you think, oh my goodness, how did we ever do it before? (laughs) How, How did we ever do it before? We find ourselves as part of God's restoration movement to restore all that's been lost through our error and our folly and the schemes of the enemy that God is bringing it back to restore the beautiful, equipped body of Christ becoming the beautiful bride in preparation for Jesus. And what I want to do over the next three weeks is take us on a journey to equip us for deep and ongoing connection with the Holy Spirit and to give us confidence and power to be witnesses for Jesus wherever we go. And I would say the area of the Holy Spirit elicits more emails to the diocese than any other. Everyone's kind of okay when we're talking about the cross. (laughs) And they're kind of all right about the Father, because no one really understands, you know, that he's made a way for us to be right up close with him now. But the Holy Spirit gets the emails, you know, really humming. And I would say that the enemy always seeks to distort our understanding of the Holy Spirit, or our understanding of... Of moments that we've been close to the Holy Spirit. Because He always wants to siphon off the supply line of God's beautiful presence and power to make us ineffective and to lead us back towards religion. God at a distance and uh, sort of, you know, all of that. So, what I want to do is take us on a journey. Some of you may be here hoping for three weeks of a drunken frenzy. <laughs> we will get there but I want to give us a context and I want to give us some foundations um, basically because I, I want us never to only have a drunken frenzy without deep roots but we're going to form deep roots to ensure that when we have a drunken frenzy we're actually allowing the fullness of what God is doing as he fills us with his spirit to come to its greatest expression okay Um So, when I say, can I just say, if you're new here, or recoiling even at my words, drunk and frenzy, (laughs) (laughs) it's really interesting in Ephesians 5 how Paul says, please don't get drunk on wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. So he places drunkenness in natural wine right alongside the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Now, isn't it easy to have a few glasses of wine and all the cares of the world lift off? Well, it's even easier to be filled with the proper stuff, the new wine of the kingdom, the Holy Spirit of God, and, um, and all of that. So um, please don't be put off by the language man, if that's unhelpful for you. Uh, I hope that helps just put that in a in a context so I'd like you to turn to your neighbour and I'm going to have a bit of input what are the deepest darkest most burning questions that you have about this whole area of ministry of the Holy Spirit and I want to catch those now so that over the next three weeks we're really able to scratch where all of us are itching And just before I sort of set you loose to do that, I was 11 years old when my parents were getting kind of switched on to God. And I was taken to a um, a Spirit-filled meeting. And I had, in my understanding, a bad experience of the Holy Spirit when I was 11. And it threw me away from God for about four years. And what happened is... A whole bunch of misunderstandings that I had about the nature of God as well as my own insecurities and fear as a young boy collided with some guy who was just blowing on me for about five minutes saying receive it, receive it, receive it and I was like, I'm trying <laughs> but nothing's happening and his breath stank <laughs> and he's like <sighs> <sighs> and I'm like six inches from him just getting blasted by this stench of coughing and horribleness <laughs> receive it receive it and I'm like don't know what's supposed to be happening and and then I had no one to process that with afterwards so, so after sort of blowing on me for five minutes receive it receive it And then he says, you've got it now. (laughs) And then we moved away. And I was like, I haven't. I haven't. You know, and, and then I had no one to process it with afterwards. Then I felt completely rubbish about myself because I wasn't clearly able to receive whatever he was blowing out. And then I thought, whatever he was blowing out, that... Like, if we're trying to work out, is that good or is that bad? Well, it, it seemed bad because it stank. <laughs> so, you know, and, and I just thought to myself, without any other environment to process this with, I just thought, this is just a bunch of crap pots. You know, I've been through choral religious theatre and now I'm going through wacko religious theatre. This is not for me. And... I then spent the next four years running as hard as I could away from the Lord. But in his kindness, he found me. And I met Jesus. I was filled radically with his Holy Spirit. And then I went into what I would describe as my almost heroin addict days with the Holy Spirit. You know where you have like a charge with him? And then you know, it's like a crazy ecstatic experience and then it all, all fades away and then we've got withdrawal symptoms and then we start doing bad things because, uh, you know, we have to, you know, steal to sort of try and, you know, accumulate the resources to get this and then you sort of... and it was... I do that... <laughs> It's just, you know, it's this sort of mountaintop into the depths of hell, into the mountaintop, into the depths of hell. Da, 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 da. Um, And then it wasn't until 2008 that I began to live in a constant flow of the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to put some foundations on that later and return to that. But I say those things just to help us bring out any of our deepest, darkest questions. We're going to play this game where any question is valid. Why does that person do that thing and I don't? (laughs) I hate it when they do that thing and I really wish they wouldn't. Why do they do that? You know, all those questions are all good. How do I get more? How do I steward? How do I hold on to more? Whatever it is, any question is good and then we're going to try and catch them now. We'll deal with a few later, and then over the next couple of weeks, um, seek to just really try and equip us to live in a constant filling and expectation and enjoyment of his presence that enables us to be his witnesses in Ashington, Washington, Wiston, across West Sussex, to the ends of the earth. Is that all right? So turn to your neighbor. And what, what, is your, what, is the, what, what is the burning question that you have, or a couple of questions that you have, and then we'll get a, a bit of participation and try and capture those together. Go, you've got five minutes. <laughs> I yeah. do Thank you. the Everybody. So I'd love to, I'd love to capture some of the key questions coming out of our discussions and Paddy's going to go around with the microphone and um, bring that to you. The the fear that people,
2: sometimes for me there's a fear that when people are um, (laughs) People who think they're acting under the power of the influence of the uh, Holy Spirit might say things and do things which are damaging to others, they they can become insensitive or uh, they can be thought, you know, they can allow themselves a scope which they, you know, which in their rightfully they should be more, perhaps less, less um, than, you know, they shouldn't let themselves go with it. (laughs) because it might damage other people Sorry, <laughs> so, so just to try and distill that
1: um, so John you're saying the fear that when under the kind of banner of being filled with the Holy Spirit damage will be caused to others yeah yes. I, I don't know if that's a question or um, just, so yeah. I think it's
2: just. I, I think it would be useful to look at that yeah brilliant um yeah. And the other thing kind of is the, the The idea that the spirit is the opposite of actually going and doing something for the poor or for other people.
1: Brilliant. I, I, I would say that's the first thing you said, I think, is obviously one of the primary concerns of a lot of Christians. Um, and a lot of Christians who are not in spirit filled churches about spiritual churches. Um, so I think that's really, really good. And some of us here may have our own catalog of tough experiences, bad experiences, um, in those sorts of environments, a bit like when I was 11 years old. So just expand what you meant about the poor, and...
2: Um, it's the idea that you could have a, a spiritual experience and it doesn't involve blessing the oppressed, playing blame, the yeah. blind.
1: brilliant, fantastic. So, I think the question is, how can we have a situation where people are receiving or encountering the Holy Spirit and yet the poor, or the marginalized, the oppressed, is not cashing out in um, practical, material, mission and embracing of um, that sort of st- stuff, is that right? Yeah, there's almost the idea you can go one way or the other, you know, there can be a yeah. So. yeah, brilliant. Substitute. Fantastic. <laughs> I, uh, can we summarize that as mercy ministry versus spirit ministry? Would that work? Or Sub- Compassion social ministry? gospel versus... Social gospel, versus right? Spirit filled gospel. Yeah. yeah, fantastic. Brilliant. <laughs> oh, we're, we're rocking and rolling. Uh, this is really good.
3: Yeah, it does that. Uh, Mine is um, slightly, I think, slightly odd, but it's about what he looks like. (sighs) Because I can have an encounter with Jesus in my own time with God, and I can have an encounter with Father in my own time. But I rarely approach the Holy Spirit in that that way, because I can't picture him. Mm. So, to talk to him is like talking to the
4: wind. Mm. Mm. <laughs> brilliant. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. Great question.
5: Mm. Mm. <coughs> mm. Oh, you guys are on fire now, this way. <laughs> well, you did point to this side, so I thought it would better try and discuss a couple of things from our three sub discussions. So, um, one of them would be, how how do we get from a kind of drunken frenzy, meeting-based infilling, followed by a few days of passion and bravery and out there doing stuff, how do we get from that to continually living in the power of the Spirit, Brilliant. doing the stuff day to day? Uh, that was the first one. There's a kind of... It was a, a related question, I think, which was don't for the question of observation, but do we need to sort out the difference between learned crowd behavior when we have meetings and phenomena happening and kind of a sovereign work of the Holy Spirit? I don't even know. I don't know why. Guys, help me out. Why did you get onto that? Don't worry. So that's probably a very much a side issue. I don't think that was the main point. I think the main thrust was, you know, how do we just get to continually being filled with despair and living that
1: way? It doesn't depend on
5: frenzied meetings.
1: It is a, it is a side, side issue, but I think um, it is probably lurking in all of our heads. Are, is this really God... Or are those guys just doing it because that's what we do at this moment of the meeting? Um, and, and is it really the, the third person, the Trinity, energizing what's happening? Or is it people with a bit of enthusiasm? It, exactly.
5: And uh, it kind of came out of a bit of a discussion we had about, um, you know, how come some of us have been in a receiving setting, wanting, expecting to be filled with the Holy Spirit, and some people are drowning in tears and shaking and falling and others don't actually feel very much happening, you know, what is that? Is that a blockage or is it I'm just emotionally made up differently and I'm still receiving but it doesn't come out in the same way? Which of those is it?
1: Yeah, Because obviously in all these meetings, all our eyes are on God rather than ourselves or other people, aren't yeah. <laughs> I'm joking. Yeah, so good. Um, really good. You see, this is why we're doing these three weeks, because it's, there's so many aspects of this, aren't there? Really excellent, um, you guys. Yeah, Tony.
6: Yeah, my experience was uh, very profound. I've been going to church mostly all my life and then I went, eventually, to a charismatic church where there was a lot of movement of the Holy Spirit which I didn't understand. To be perfectly honest, it was quite amazing to watch people doing all sorts of strange things. Uh, And I, for quite some time, didn't really want it. Uh, I I was worried about it and I was fearful of it. And then one day, I felt I had to have prayer, I had to have prayer. The minister was waiting at the front, the people had come up. And I went up, uh, very, very afraid, very afraid of what might happen to me uh, when I was prayed for. But I had a friend who encouraged me up, and he prayed for me, and he prayed uh, that I would receive uh, the Holy Spirit, that uh, uh, I had when I was thrown, you know, sort of, born again. But this was something special. And um, anyway, uh, the point was that uh, he prayed, prayed, prayed. I resisted, I resisted, I resisted, because I was so afraid of what might happen to me. Um, and eventually he said, you can speak in tongues, but it ain't open your mouth, but nothing happened to And then the next day I went to work and I came back home, I put some worship music on. All of a sudden the floodgates opened, Started so to cry uncontrollably and I laughed uncontrollably. And then I spoke in tongues, so it just came out. And as it was absolutely uh, white-handed, actually I thought I'd gone trapping. She didn't know what had happened to him. And one thing that really came, which was really lovely, was that uh, I felt so, so at peace, and I'd always wanted to have. This sort of like uh, experience of understanding the word of God better, yeah. and it came just yeah. like that. It yeah. was opened up to me. It yes. and it's fantastic, and I just say thank you, Lord. That's mm-hmm. my experience when I I've of it. I never look back. I can speak in tongues, mm-hmm. and it's it's made a massive difference mm-hmm. for me for my spiritual walk. So mm-hmm. praise
1: the Lord. For yeah, me. praise thank God. What a great story. Yeah, yeah. So encouraging. Thanks, Tim.
6: Yeah, well. yeah, Tony mentioned about speaking in tongues. Um, I have spoken in tongues, but sometimes I've wondered is it really the Holy Spirit or am I just talking gobbledygook? It's uh, so like, how do you know? Um, and also, when, when someone does speak in tongues, tongue, do you have to have an interpretation of tongues
5: as well? Yeah, brilliant. That goes hand in hand, presumably. Yeah,
1: excellent questions. Fantastic. Okay, I mean, you guys, awesome. Um, let's go to the sound Um Over here. Anything from you guys coming in? I think, sorry, just, just as we do that, Will, the question was, do we need an interpretation every time tongues is heard? Yes, that's yeah. right. Yeah. Great. The
4: three of us here found ourselves saying, how do we remove the blockages? So, much of what's being discussed. One in evangelising and sharing about the Holy Spirit, Mm. um, because he's very much part of the good news Mm. and so often gets left out.
1: Mm. I I would say particularly in this day and age, when more and more people are spiritually aware, yeah. You know, they've got their energies, they've got their crystals, they've got their, you know, whatever. And, and, and we can just be so confident that we have the Lord, the giver of life, who's more powerful than any energy, who's more consistent and loving and faithful and personal than any crystals. And um, but this, is, this is why, you know, we need to become in Him confident of who we carry when we're interacting with, with the world, just as an aside. Yeah.
4: So how do we remove the blockages um, in being willing to experience? Um, and how do we remove the blockages in our social culture?
1: Do you mean church, or do you mean um, our friends outside? Well, the it's colleges? the whole
4: of the nature of our our culture, isn't it? We have. Africa and places like that are so much more into spiritual things, whereas just, we're so hedonistic and he's been blocked out for so many decades, mm. millennia.
1: I, I think there's also a generational split there. You know, it would be interesting what people like Johnny would say, but I think young guys, young adults, I think, are just hungry for the experience of something real and authentic. So I don't know if there's a sort of generational kind of um, uh, rational scepticism that is sort of embedded in you know, people of a certain age, <laughs> if that makes sense. I don't know what you'd say, Johnny. Uh, give me a Okay. Yeah. Brilliant. Thank you. Sorry, I'm getting into answering rather than collecting. This is brilliant questions. Yeah, fantastic. Thank you, Jean and team.
3: (laughs) Um, I guess one question I have is um, if we have, we we all have the same Holy Spirit living inside of us, so why do some people roll on the floor and then some people just sit and not show anything um, or any reaction to the Holy Spirit? Yeah. yeah.
1: So this is about manifestations again, I think. Um, And how do we understand that? How do we understand what's going on? And how do we handle that inside ourselves? Um, Whether we're rocking and rolling or whether we're the... What do some people call them? The frozen chosen? (laughs) (laughs) Pillar ministry! (laughs) Is that okay? Is it acceptable? Ah.
5: Um, Yeah, brilliant. I'll come to you in just a moment. Yeah, Dylan? Um, I've got, I was wondering. It's more of interest, and it could be related to that one. But is in like does the Holy Spirit have any effect on your physical body? I mean, apart from like manifestations, but like just in permanent physical changes. I know that's a random question, but I was
1: just interested. Effect on your physical body. Brilliant.
3: Sorry, one more. Just um. How do we get closer to the Holy Spirit? Yeah. Like, what is that? Because I'm practical and I like practicals. And then there's no problem in this, but um, there's practical ways to like draw closer to the Holy Spirit. I not it? And hey, we're we're all hungry for that. You know, that's why we're, that's why we're here. We want to know
1: Him better and walk with Him more fully. Uh, let's go to the back row and let's start with Jenny. Yeah.
0: I just wanted to add to the question about last. I think it was you about accessing the Holy Spirit and our position in it, can we all access, if we, you talk about the frozen chosen, when you put that up, can we all be the bit we want to be, to see, so for example, I've been in gatherings where people have gone just crazy, laughing in the Holy Spirit, rolling on the floor, everything. I really wanted it sometimes, and I haven't been able to get there, and I want to know is it just I'm trying to control things and I can't let go, or something on my side presumably, I'm thinking or, can, you know, so can I get there, <laughs> or yeah. do I give up and sit as the person chose Yeah,
1: um, I'm that's really, really good, great question. How many here also resonate with that question? Yeah, so thank you so much brilliant, um, we will definitely cover that
0: Sorry, one more thing on that. There's been an extreme time when we've been with going absolutely, it was Rowan Baker, actually, which was great. So I thought, oh, it's got to be right, you know, and I put myself right out there. And in the end, I thought I was going to get knocked over and hurt because of my back injury, but I had to get out of the way. Yes. So it actually worked against me, you know. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. I would really like to have known yeah. if I come in there. <laughs> that bit longer, would it you know, like... Yeah, and I think
1: we're going to have to straddle the line of as 1 Thessalonians 5 says, not despising uh, the work of the Spirit, at the same time as discerning and weighing what's going on. So I think we're living in a day and age where <laughs> unfortunately because of some of the disasters that have happened through trusted leaders across all streams of society. We're not really in a day and age where we can say, oh, because it's Robert Baker, or because it's this person, it must be OK. You know, and, and I think we just, it's OK to be discerning. At the same time, we don't want to be cynical or resistant. Um, so I think that's really, really good. Um, sorry, we just wanted to catch jeans. You have a second question. question was about the social environment. Um, Do we need to help that to release more of God? Is that what you're saying?
4: Because people can be. How do we unblock what's established in our
1: culture? Yeah. If we're in South America or Africa, they seem to be Mm -hmm. more open than
3: all of that. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Uh, Can we lose the Holy Spirit? Is it possible to have it and then lose it? Mm -hmm. Once we have it, is that it for good? Great question.
1: The awesome thing is, folks, a lot of the answers to these questions are where? Are in the Bible, yeah. The Lord doesn't leave us ill equipped. um, So it's really, really good. Um, Yeah, anybody else in the back row? Fantastic. Yay, you guys.
0: Um, Mine isn't uh, in the Bible.
3: Well, it possibly is, it's possibly the wrong way. So, um, how do you feel about listening to the Holy Spirit out in the world and speaking the language of others, e.g., interpreting a tattoo or a dream, but asking the Holy Spirit and speaking? Language and asking the Holy Spirit, but to bring people to Jesus mm. through the Holy Spirit, but not in a traditional way because mm. it's very controversial, you know, because it they don't have anything to do with you know, music or whatever. So, how do you feel about that? If we feel we're hearing from the Holy Spirit, we can bring some to Jesus through that, but in an unconventional, non church, non biblical, yeah,
1: brilliant way, yeah, fantastic, great question.
6: Uh, a couple of questions. first one is, um, why is the Holy Spirit such a gentleman? <laughs> Wouldn't it be nice if he came up and said, uh, Mike Carter, I'm um, shaking you by the collar and said, sit down here. He? <laughs> and secondly, how do we, or could you explain when Scripture talks about quenching the Spirit, whether it's an uh, individual or corporate? Mm.
2: Great questions. Brilliant.
3: Background to why I'm asking the question is that I've had lots of negatives in the Holy Spirit when I was very young. Um, Being brought up in a church where the Holy Spirit, the major time where the Holy Spirit was talked about was in the grace, and nobody really explained anything. Having said that, our youth leaders, I sat in a meeting at their house where he was speaking about Pentecost and then started speaking in tongues, and I knew absolutely it was beautiful and it was from God he wasn't really allowed to explain and understand he got thrown out of the church later. So did other people that were believing in baptism and the Holy Spirit. So I had a very bad start. Um, then I came across some very good teachings, etc, etc. But I struggled to actually really be comfortable with the Holy Spirit, which is ridiculous. Because I know that Jesus is the Baptizer, that the Holy Spirit says, you know, it's God. And so that that's kind of like the start of it. But one of the things for me is, so God did show me because I said to God, I'm I'm moving out of church when the Holy Spirit started moving through our church in lots of different manifestations. I said I just want to follow you, God, and I'm going to go to one of these meetings <laughs> where the Holy Spirit is being poured out. with one of the ones where they were called the drinking meetings, and it was very much about the frenzy drunkenness. And I said, I want you to show me that it's you, otherwise I'm pulling out, and I knew that would affect my children. So he very much did. Before the guy even spoke anything, it was in the worship time, I was like plugged into a thousand volts of electricity, and I was birthing. And I, I just knew that God had answered my question, but I never got to the point where I'm comfortable with the Holy Spirit. So how do I get over that? I, I read books, I talk to people about it. I see my own husband who's got such a simple faith, just flowing through this, and I'm, I'm kind of like stuck there. But I think one of the reasons for my stuckness is I'm very much, if it's in the Word of God, I want to believe it. So even when you don't see much healing, it's in the Word of God, so I believe that God is the God that heals. The experience has to go second to that, etc., etc. So in the Bible, I don't see very much about some of the manifestations of the Holy Spirit that are common. In churches nowadays which makes me very skeptical a bit actually really is it from God? For instance you know most people seem to fall down backwards on the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm uh, sorry we fought, you know in our churches a lot of people go backwards. Um, most people fell on their face in the Holy Spirit. There are people that picked up by their hair and there are certain things. I'm guessing that it's probably because God doesn't want to limit it to um, yeah, uh, to detail things otherwise we'll think it's either inside or outside and it's about trusting God I'm guessing but is that right? <laughs> sorry, Brilliant
1: questions um, I think, I think oh, there's two questions there how do I become ever increasingly comfortable with the Holy Spirit which is one and then I think the other one I was hearing was again about manifestations and what's going on and where is that in the Word. Um, so that's really good. I just wanted to say I'll definitely cover during this three weeks some stuff on manifestations, but I also want to signpost us to I think it's either April or early May. We've um, got a couple of sessions um, where Charlie's going to teach on the history of revivals and moves of God, and then I'm going to do a specific session on manifestations of the Spirit um, because, again, we've touched on it quite a bit. Um, which um, I think we just wanted to, um, you know, try and equip us in that area. So uh, we will do that, um, but we're also going to come back to it um, after Easter. I think it was Patrick. Did you have a question? Are you? Oh, sorry, John. Yeah. Um, basically, I know I've got the Holy Spirit in me,
6: but how do we stay in the overflow of the Holy Spirit? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Or is there something we have to do? Um, or can we just ask and
1: stay in? Yeah, brilliant, brilliant. Thanks, Joe. Great questions.
0: Hi, yeah, I'm, I'm Melissa. For anyone who doesn't know, um, but i Melissa. I work in quite a traumatic uh, job. I work in a control room for the police, and I do sometimes feel that when you come out of church it's amazing and you do encounter the spirit but i'm working in a place where i feel that i see the worst humanity i see so much trauma so much hurt and how do i see and recognize the spirit because i feel like i'm the only christian in that environment yeah. and everyone has a tendency of making it so much worse because they have negativity and, and hatred towards it and it's all like, oh, the regulars etc so how do you see the spirit in? a
1: godless situation. Yeah, brilliant. Uh, can I answer that immediately? Is that alright? Um, I, I would say one of the reasons we gather on weekends is, well, the first and primary reason is we gather around him. We, go, we come to give him glory and honour and to worship him. The second reason we gather is because when we come he then fills us with himself to equip us for what lies ahead Monday to Saturday. So although it can feel different to work, actually the point of coming in on Sunday is to allow in in the gracious presence of God the tender hands of Jesus to just heal our hearts from any hurts in the week, to brush off any sins that have been sinned against us, sins that we committed um, to be reconnected with God's people and him together to be sent out again. And so that's the wonderful rhythm like once in every seven day cycle we come together around him. Now the reason it feels really different is right at the heart of the Lord's prayer. Jesus said pray like this thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now there's going to come a day when Jesus returns when the earth will be absolutely identical to heaven. And we know what heaven's like because there's no mourning, no crying, no pain, no broken relationships anymore, no broken bodies anymore, no broken hearts anymore. Uh, There's utter union, not as an end in and of itself, but because that's what happens when you draw near to the author of life. Life just is as it should be. Now, how we understand how difficult work feels is then the importance of praying and living out the answer to Jesus' prayer. May thy kingdom come. That's why we say, my work, working with, seeing the worst that British society has to offer makes me pray all the more, may your kingdom come. May what characterizes your kingdom of of healing and hope and love and joy come to characterize this workplace because it really needs it. And the people here really need him. And so that's how we understand the disjunction between work and what we taste when we gather because we're getting a foretaste of heaven itself. I mean, it's like on Sunday, we had a couple of weeks off. We're meant to be gloomy in January. That's why the TV gives us all these adverts of Barbados and, you know, all of that, to try and lift our spirits. And we came in and it's just like, oh my goodness, he's here. Everything's okay. Um, so I would say that's how we understand that your workplace needs the kingdom of heaven more and more and more and God has sent one person (laughs) right now one person and equip that one person with everything that they need to begin to, to lead a one person renewal and revival and restoration of all that's going on and this is why We wanted to focus on the Holy Spirit so that you are just ever increasingly confident, equipped, rooted in Him that you can turn the tide and begin to release in despair hope and begin to release in brokenness healing and begin to release in sorrow joy. Um, Is that alright? So That was a mini sermon. Amen. (laughs) Um, Okay. Patrice. Um, so I understand that when we invite Jesus
6: into our life he comes in where do we
5: feel him? He, we invite him that's it, done deal mm-hmm. so it's just interesting that Paul says with Holy Spirit keep him
1: filled mm-hmm. so why is Holy Spirit's measure in us different to that of Jesus yeah so is he leaving exactly does he arrive in our quiet time at 6.30 in the morning and then sort of slide out of the door of our lives throughout the day <laughs> and then we might sort of turn to him before we go to sleep ah oh, he's back again hooray <laughs> um, yeah great question um, really good Patrick um, alright I think I think we've got a ton of let's hear from Bella Fantastic, look at Nina writing here, wow, that's so good, and let's hear it for Paddy, Try the child the room, um, was he one of those people with tattoos you are on about trying to oh, no. prophesy, yeah. it, he was one of those, oh, they're in the world aren't they, <laughs> so. yeah that's good. I'm going to take us first to scripture, then we'll have uh, a comfort break, and then we'll maybe just touch on a few of those questions before we pray uh, at the end of the morning. Um, I think um, what, are we, what I'm going to do is just very briefly touch on how we got to Jesus and then take us to one of the core passages on the Holy Spirit, teaching of Jesus in John chapter 14. Um, Write these references down if you need to and check them. I'm going to move quite quickly now um, just for the sake of time. I want to give us a a comfort break. Um, But in Genesis chapter 1 we see an expression of the Trinity which helps us understand um, who the Holy Spirit is. Um, Genesis chapter 1 Verse 1, In the beginning when God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was a formless void and darkness covered the face of the deep, while a wind from God, or alternative translations say a spirit, swept over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. Now John's Gospel begins by by helping us understand that the Word of God is Jesus. And so what we see right in Genesis 1 is we see the Father who'd never had creation before, an infinite, almighty, uncreated God out of the overflow of his heart desires to create. And so something comes from nothing. And how it comes, the, the mechanics of how it comes, is that the father dreams and conceives of the world and creation. The Son, the Word of God, is the is the agency speaking it. When the Father says, I'd love there to be light, the Son says, Let there be light, and the Spirit is the one sweeping over the face of the waters we have uh, in my translation but another, another sort of sense in the original language is almost of a mother hen brooding over and you know laying life um, as, as God is creating so the father's conceiving of it the son is speaking and the spirit is literally birthing life into being now with the first creation God and human beings are utterly connected nothing in between they meet in creation you remember when Adam and Eve go missing what does God say in the cool of the day he's walking in the garden he says where are you So an uncreated almighty God has a place in the garden where he comes together with created human beings, Adam and Eve, and there is nothing that is breaking that union and that connection. Then it all goes wrong. And probably in his kindness, not leaving us um, with the knowledge of good and evil and a terrifying, unrestrained infinite power at our disposal God pulls back humanity falls and since that moment the spirit is not poured out on all human beings through the Old Testament there's the anointing of specific individuals for a few specific tasks but but humanity does not have the spirit of God But a day comes where God begins to promise something different. And if we turn to Joel chapter 2, let's read this um, for a few moments. Very famous verses. Joel chapter 2, and I'm going to pick up at verse 23. Joel chapter 2. Now at this moment, the people of God are disenfranchised, they are not in the land, overseeing the land blessed in the land and the prophetic voice comes and talks of the day of restoration and redemption. Verse 23 O children of Zion be glad and rejoice in the Lord your God for he has given the early rain for your vindication. He has poured out for you abundant rain the early and the later rain as before. He's prophesying about what's to come. The threshing floors shall be full of grain. There'll be blessing again. There'll be prosperity again. The vat shall overflow with wine and oil. I will repay you for the years that the swarming locust has eaten, the hopper, the destroyer, and the cutter, my great army, which I sent against you. You reap the consequences of turning away from me, and I'm going to repay you for those years. You shall eat in plenty and be satisfied and praise the name of the Lord your God who has dealt wondrously with you and my people never again should be put to shame. You shall know that I am in the midst of Israel, no longer apart, no longer disconnected. You shall know that I am right there in the midst of who you are and that I the Lord am your God and there is no other and my people should never again be put to shame. At that restoration and that redemption. This is what's going to happen. Then afterward, I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young, men shall, your young men shall see visions. Even on the male and female slaves in those days, I will pour out my Spirit. So one of the signs of God's redemption is an outpouring of the Spirit. And who gets it? There's going to come a day where just just the ones that God really likes because they always fall on the floor when people pray for them.
2: There's
1: going to come a day where, how much flesh? All flesh shall have the Spirit out poured on them. Men, women, slaves, male and female, sons, daughters, all flesh. And, um, and then it goes on. Now, even though I betrayed that Christmas is Not my favourite time of year. You will have heard, hopefully, at our carol service, or whatever Christmas readings um, you listened to, wherever you were, Isaiah chapter 11. Because, in anticipation of that restoration of God's people, someone's going to come, and he's going to be the Messiah. Isaiah chapter 11. Isaiah chapter 11, verse 1. A shoot shall come out from the stump of Jesse. Fresh growth will be a new thing coming out of um, the uh, out of our people. And a branch shall grow out of his roots. The spirit of the Lord shall rest on him. The spirit of wisdom and understanding. The spirit of counsel and might. The spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. And then he goes on to describe the hallmarks of the kingdom that he will bring. And that's a healing of the created order. Things that should be at enmity restored and healed. Wolves lying down with lambs. Leopards with kids and etc. etc. Now what's the name of this servant of the Lord? This Messiah of the Lord? We know his name is Now let's turn to Matthew chapter 3. So ever since Genesis 3, the Spirit has not been poured out on everybody. The the Hebrew people believed it was coming, but it wasn't here, here yet. We know there's going to be a Messiah and the Spirit's going to be on him To lead his kingdom. Matthew chapter 3, picking up at verse 13. Again, familiar, familiar verses. Um, But let me just... I'll show you in a moment why I'm bringing them to us. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him saying, I need to be baptized by you and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, Let it be so now, for it is proper for us in this way, got an answer there to why is the Holy Spirit such a gentleman he doesn't come with a bazooka and 10,000 chariots to kick our asses into shame he comes gently honouring our free will to make space for him as a dove and if you've ever tried to hold a bird you'll know how challenging that is and how much care is to be taken we'll come back to the deeper your question Now just one really important point here bearing in mind the spirit has not rested on any human being consistently. A few in the Old Testament for specific tasks for temporary fulfilment of their mission. But bearing in mind since Genesis 3 it hasn't alighted on anybody. It's worth us remembering that up to this point Jesus himself did not have the Holy Spirit. Philippians 2 tells us that when he was incarnated, he emptied himself of all his godlike qualities. And so, whilst he was born as one of us and lived without sin, we know that he was wise beyond his years, that he was keen to learn because he was found in the temple age 12 even astonishing the teachers of the law with his insights. But we find no record of supernatural activity, supernatural ministry, until after he's received the Holy Spirit. Which shreds for us the belief that the enemy always sows in our hearts that they can do all that stuff because they're really good and I'm not. Because the ability of Jesus to enact the works of the kingdom was dependent on the the coming upon him of the Holy Spirit. And that same Holy Spirit is the one we're looking at this time and comes to you and I. So it wasn't dependent on Jesus' identity as the Son of God because he laid aside... All the things that characterise God. Omniscience, omnipresence, all of that stuff. He gave them away, and there's no record of his miracles prior to his baptism. Once he received the Holy Spirit, we can go on in Matthew and find that everything begins to happen. Okay? Alright, everybody? Right, now what I'd like to do is to turn to Jesus' teachings for a few moments... Can you sustain this for a little bit before I come for a break? I'm going to turn to John chapter 14. and <clears throat> I'm going to give you a moment just to read through John chapter 14. And I'd love you to think about these questions. When is this about? We know that Jesus is on the eve of being arrested and being led to the cross. And he's giving almost final instructions to his disciples. So in the teaching Jesus is giving, when is he describing When is this passage about? Second question. What does this passage tell us about Jesus? Third question. What do we learn about the Holy Spirit? And fourth question. What is going to happen on that day? Which is a phrase you'll find buried within this passage. I'm going to try and make some connections as we go through this with one or two of the questions coming out that we that we had. I've got to say, this is one of the most beautiful passages of Scripture, I find, um, where we find, again, the presence of all three persons of the Trinity, which even in and of itself helps us begin to consider Our relationship with the Holy Spirit not simply as wind or breath or energy or whatever but as a person and it also connects us with other things that we've been doing the power of Jesus in the autumn the revelation of the Father earlier in the autumn uh, because they've all come together in this passage so when is when is Jesus talking about? What it, when is this passage about? I'm sure you, you'd have gone to many funerals and um, had some of these famous verses um, read out. Um, when do we think this passage is about? Is, is, it, is it Pentecost? Yeah, brilliant. Thanks Pam. Pre-ascension, any other alternative bits? Why does it get rid of funerals? because
6: we have eternal life so it isn't the end it's a continuation Yeah, I ask that question because I think a
1: lot of times these verses have been used thinking about Jesus going up to heaven to prepare a place even for you and when you die you will enter, enter in and there's, there's comfort the thought of um, life after death and, and all of that um, the, the, the problem with that, as we've already picked out in terms of our location of this passage, is um, it doesn't connect with anything else going on in this passage because Jesus goes on to prepare his disciples ultimately with the advocate, the helper, the Holy Spirit. But let's just track that through so you know that we're not being deceived, or you've got one of these dodgy teachers um, leading you down the garden path. In my father's house there are many dwelling places. There's room for everybody. If it were not so, you know, we can get fixated on is heaven mansions or is it, you know, is it like Mayfair in London or Beverly Hills or or whatever. I think Jesus is just saying there's room for everybody. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? So, on the eve of his arrest, Jesus is clearly going to do a work of preparation. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'm going to make sure that there's room for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself so that where I am, there you may be also. No, no one said this could have been about the rapture you know or the, Jesus comes again and he takes all the good Christians up to heaven there's carnage on the earth and um, but it's fine we'll, we'll be we'll be with him uh, and that's all good what, what's going on if I go and prepare a place for you Jesus I will come again and will take you to myself so that where I am there you may be also and you know the way, to the place where I'm going. And good old Thomas asks the question everybody asks, <laughs> particularly bris, cynical Brits. He says, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? And Jesus um, says to him, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And he goes on, if you know me, you will know my Father also. And as he's disclosed this, he says, for now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip kindly comes to Thomas's rescue and picks up the batter and says, just make it obvious. Lord, show us the Father and we'll be satisfied. Make it obvious. And Jesus said to him, how have i have been with you all this time, Philip? You still do not know me. And John, John brings this out really plainly in his Gospel. How can you have also Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can he say show is the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you I do not speak on my own, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Jesus is saying, <laughs> I'm the way to the Father, And I've told you now, and he's been with you all the time because he dwells in me. And everything that I've been doing has not been of my own will or volition. It's been doing what the Father has shown me to do. Okay? Everyone Mm alright? Believe me, verse 11, that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. So Jesus now, having been saying, um, as he's been teaching through John's Gospel, the words, the teaching I've been saying are the Father's words in me. Jesus is now saying, Believe me now that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. So that the person you've been following has the presence of the Father within him and is also living in the reality of being in the Father. Okay? And now, for you cynical, scientific, trained, evidence-based people, if you don't if you don't believe me, believe because of the works themselves. Look at the evidence, the fruit of what I've been doing. It's actually been the Father dwelling in me, doing the fruit, doing the works, and I've been dwelling in the Father. There's this, been this connection between us, this real present connection between us and that has manifested itself in the works that you've been observing through me. Very truly I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do and in fact will do greater works than these because I am going to the Father. Now, what's going on here? Uh, This can't be about when we die because Jesus is describing his life and how he has been living the father's been dwelling in him and he's also been dwelling in the father but now he says I'm actually going to the father and he's also then pointing to the fact that those who believe in him will do the same works that he's been doing I will do whatever you ask in my name so the Father may be glorified in the Son if in my name you ask me for anything I will do it okay so what have we learned about Jesus what did you write down and answer the same question what have we learned about Jesus from, the, from that teaching that he's giving to his disciples he, he, he's God in his identity and also God the Father has been present with him yeah Brilliant. Anything else? What else have we learned about Jesus? He's yeah. the only way to the
0: Father. It's that relationship
1: with yeah. Jesus. Or? Yeah. Yeah, and, and we might, because we live in a day and age that hates exclusion, we might, we might say, um, he's the only way to the Father. Or you could look at it the other way and say, he's the way to the Father. He's how you find the Father. He's, you know, if I want to go to Brighton I follow the road signs you know and (laughs) that's it takes me and Jesus is saying I'm the way to the Father yeah anything else? yeah Patrick he's leaving he's leaving he's going yeah and he's going to prepare a place and he said he's going to take us to where he is okay anything else? Yeah, Esther. It says if you sing me seen the Father, there is something about um an encounter
3: with Jesus
4: and it's also an encounter with the Father because of him and the Bible.
1: Somebody was saying um finding it challenging to be comfortable, I think it was Japan, with with the Holy Spirit. That normally comes out with the Father for a lot of folks, maybe because of their background. Mm. They love Jesus, but the Father, you know, he's just scary. Uh, We've been sort of unpicking some of that. The truth is, the Father's been with Jesus all the time. (laughs) And Jesus suddenly says, If you've seen me, you've seen him. He's been with you because he's been in me. And I think we're going to bring that to bear with the Holy Spirit. Rather than disconnecting the persons of the Trinity beginning to recognise that we may come into his heart through one of them. But when we find one of them, we actually receive them all. (laughs) Okay, brilliant. Now let's go on. He's going away, he's going to take us to where we're going to be, and something's going to happen. Uh, Verse 15, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Now there's a challenging phrase. Unless we are able. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, an advocate, to be with you forever. This is the Spirit of Truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. So it can't be about when we die and go to be with him, because he's talking about, um, I'm going to give you a helper. But the world that you're living in won't recognize him because it can't see him. But you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. Now, up to this point, Jesus is the only human being who has had an ongoing in. John, you're a good man. Um, Jesus has been the only human being who has had ongoing. Connection and infilling with the Holy Spirit. He's been the only person. And now he says, This helper, this spirit of truth that the world cannot see, you know him because he abides with you and he will be in you. And what does that mean? He's been there all along, Jesus. Jesus is saying. Since his baptism and since his ministry launched, Jesus is, is saying that all the time that you've been following me, you have been, you've had the Holy Spirit around you. He's been alongside you because he's been in me. And so everything that I have been doing, the Holy Spirit's been alongside all the time, the Spirit of Truth is helper. But you're gonna know him because there's going to come a time where he will be in you, inside you, not just around you, alongside, he'll be in you. Verse 18, I will not leave you orphaned, I am coming to you. I'm not going to leave you on your own. I am coming to you. In a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you will see me, because I live and you also will live. Again, he can't be talking about when we die. You know, the world is not going to see him. There's going to come a time where, where he disappears from their sight. But you will see me. And because I'll be living, you also will be living. Verse 20. On that day, when the world can't see see him, but you're going, to, you're going to be able to see me and you'll be alive. On that day, you will know that I am in my Father and you in me, you in me, and I in you. Now let's unravel that a minute. On that day, you will know that I, Jesus, am in my Father, as is already disclosed earlier in the passage. He's been in me, but I've also been in him the whole time. I am in the Father. So let's let's look at it like this, just to try and picture this for a minute, um, without being profane. This is Jesus. On that day, you'll recognize that I am in the Father. Let's say my notebook is the Father. And you in me. So hold on, let's pull him out from the Father again. So now we're going to add us here in Jesus and Jesus who said he's going to be in the Father and we're in him so we're all going to be (laughs) 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 it always happens on Monday great time at church and you (laughs) slip out so (laughs) we're coming to him and he's coming to the Father on that day you'll know that I'm in my Father you in me and I in you so hang on a minute he, who, he who's been in the Father comes out again, um, but he's in the Father, and he's actually coming into us. So then now we've got this happening. I don't know if that make, really makes sense. I need someone to make some Russian doll things that flip themselves out and all of that. But, um, but what we've got is this interplay where Jesus in the Father, the Father's in him. Jesus is going to the Father, we'll see Him and we'll be alive, and we're in Him, and He is in us. Does that make sense? Kind of. <laughs> and they have my commandments and keep them are those who love me. And those who love me will be loved by my Father and I will love them and reveal myself to them. I'm not going to focus too much on the commandments other than to say... If Jesus has been able to do the works, and let's remember for Hebrews, the work is also keeping the law and the commandments, then what he's saying is, this is just the beauty of verse 17, he's, the Holy Spirit's been alongside you, but he's going to be in you. And what Jesus says is, those who have my commandments and keep them, and those who love me, and those who love me will be loved by my Father, and I will love them, reveal myself to them. Um, So love for him is being able to keep the law and be who he always desired us to be. And also we receive his love as we do that. Judas, Lord Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you reveal yourself to us and not to the world? And Jesus answered him, those who love me will keep my word and my father will love them and we will come to them and make our home with them. So again, we've got uh, we've got Jesus in the Father. Oh, hang on, Jesus collects us, takes us into the Father. But now we're here, and Jesus is coming to us, and the Father's coming to make our home in us. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. And the word that you hear is not mine, but it's from the Father who sent me. There's going to be the ability to live as we should. Verse 25, I've said these things to you while I'm still with you. But the advocate, the Holy Spirit, and the Father will send in my name will teach you everything and remind you of all that I've said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I think I'm just going to pause Pause there for a minute. He's not going to leave us opened. He's going to be with us. He's sending us a helper. And to sort of bring this into land, what's been around the disciples is coming into them. And what's coming into them is the presence of the Father, is the presence of Jesus, and is the helper the spirit of truth. So when we arrive at our workplace which is full of pain and sorrow we can know that what is inside of us is the very presence of almighty God our Father, of the Son of God Jesus Christ and of the helper who comes to remind us of everything and to guide us into all truth. That is an That is a winning combination. Now we might not feel it, and we might wake up up, uh, in the morning and feel groggy and grumpy and all of that stuff. But this is where we remind ourselves of what has happened to us that has come into us as we've received and accepted Jesus. We get the Father and we get the Holy Spirit. We may, may not feel comfortable in all of those things, but we learn. But we get everything that Jesus had is shared with us. Is that all right? Let's have 10 minutes and uh, do enjoy one another. Uh, do go outside, the toilets are open, and we'll come back in a few moments' time.
0: Thank you for joining us on the Roots podcast. To connect with our community and to find other resources, visit
1: chanctonbury.org.uk.